0: What up? What up? What up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. I will soon take you to uh, an interview that I did with Antonio, the promised Thomas. But before that, wanted to do a little bit of a a question kind of around how we are exercising and kind of keeping our health uh, in this social distancing era. So I brought along my significant other, or my better half, as I called her on the last podcast, Crystal, to talk about all the things that we're doing to try and, you know, make sure that we're getting our exercise. And, you know, a lot of that also has to do with mental health. If you feel good, then, you you know, that's body, mind, and soul. So, Crystal, this is your second time on the show. How's it going?
1: I'm a regular now. This is awesome.
0: Yeah. Multi-time guest. (laughs) So, we were just kind of Talking through some of the things that that we try to do uh, to make sure that we're getting some exercise in, and one of the main things that we try to do is walk just around the neighborhood. Now, some folks may think, well, you know, are there other people around, and you know, how do you make sure, you know, that does this virus stay in the air and X, Y, and Z? But um, the thing that's actually been hard for us is just doing it because it's been raining so often out here in the Bay Area lately. So uh, what's the, like, in your mind, walking, it's fun, should be fine. We're not risking as long as we're kind of walking in the street when another person comes toward us.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you and I went on a walk last weekend and you were actually very concerned about that, right? About what do we do if somebody walks uh, toward us and can we cross the street and not feel rude right um but you're actually really good about that you're like hey babe let's go walk in the street while this person's on the sidewalk but
0: i try to do it early too so that it's not like when they come they're two feet away from us then we move like abruptly like i try to see it so that nobody gets their you know not that anyone's gonna get their feelings hurt but
1: yeah i think people are being really good though but it was weird wasn't it we walked uh through this area of San Jose, which is typically bustling and it was a ghost town. It was so weird and there were security guards walking around. I don't know what they were doing, but it was really weird. But uh, yeah, the rain is, is hindering us this weekend. We were only able to walk a few blocks, so we had to find other things to do.
0: The other thing about that is because we are so aware of this social distancing thing, like you see somebody and it's almost like you're so worried about like not crossing paths you almost forget to even say hi or to wave or to vocalize you know something because it just feels like you're not supposed to but I still try and make sure that I do that because I you know I want this to be as comfortable for other people as it is for us to you know to just go out and walk
1: I think usually if I'm out on a walk or a hike, I do actually say hi to everybody, um, be friendly, but, and I think I'm doing that more now. Like if I'm walking around the neighborhood with the kids, I'm saying hi to all the neighbors and they're stopping and talking, you know, from 20 feet away or something, but still it's feeling more neighborly, which is nice.
0: So for me, the gym is like my second home because I very much, uh, it, it's it's not only a way for me to physically do something, but I can kind of separate from the real world for an hour and a half.
1: You mean from us? Is that what
0: <laughs> no? Just from like stuff. Even though it's really hard, because I still get pinged for work and stuff when I'm working out. But um, you know, you gotta blow off some steam sometimes, and you can do it in positive ways. You need to exert yourself sometimes. But that also helps me mentally. It helps me focus. I come back clear-headed. But without the gym, that is a hard thing for me to replicate, even though we were able to, to purchase some weights and, and a bench. It's still... There's usually people here, so I can't separate the two things. But for you, you're a fan of the classes at the gym and, and body pump in particular. Like, I'm sure that was the same thing for you on a Saturday or Sunday morning to just get away from everything and and to just go do something for yourself. But how do you how how are you finding how to do that now?
1: Yeah, you are uh, much better about getting to the gym, obviously, than I am. You probably go, what, five days a week, four or five. Um, So that's been a big change for you. Um, I go once a week (laughs) (laughs) just for that one class, That's 60 minutes. Uh, I mean, I work my butt off during that 60 minutes and I feel like it's, it's great, but I think I've actually been exercising more since not being able to go, not to the same extent, like the intensity and the, the length is not as long. Um, but I've been finding those YouTube videos, uh, dumbbell exercises and things. Um, and then as you know, I just purchased an elliptical <laughs> machine to go somewhere in our house, uh, and so I do think that actually I have I have and will be exercising a little bit more. So that's another positive uh, thing for this kind of just finding positives in the quarantine or shelter in place situation. Um, and then you and I have also been doing some yoga, mm-hmm. which we've been wanting to do and haven't really done. So that's been really nice.
0: Before people think you spent like $1,500 on an elliptical machine, one that you would use at the gym. You very much did your shopping online to find like the smallest one, the
1: bargain and, basement, and one. the bargain
0: one. And I hope I actually hope it doesn't break when we start using it.
1: <laughs> it probably will.
0: But um, yeah, we we found a YouTube channel that has started to make some of their videos free. Very heavy in the stretching. Uh, and I know you found one because you have a neck problem and you found like a neck stretching one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like those kind of classes uh, you know putting stuff up for free to kind of give folks a taste I think that's been really helpful because YouTube as a medium is you know a- an easy place to go and find stuff and and uh, and that but you know for for this sense, I think it's perfect and I hope more channels can can put out some stuff to you know some of it is marketing cuz they want you to join their paid stuff but it's uh, i think it's good cuz lots more people are using youtube right now than i imagine than ever before
1: yeah it's really popular among uh, my girlfriends and things everyone's kind of finding some of their own niche kind of workout that they like um and for some i mean i would definitely pay a you know some amount for if they were good um you know we found you know one that we like uh we've done twice now this very stretchy kind of yoga thing that's about 30 minutes it's hard stretching for sure Um, you and i both kind of struggle (laughs) with some of the moves but uh, i wouldn't say it's like good cardio or anything but we do feel like pretty flexible or better after so that's good
0: and then the one that we just recently did, I introduced you to the world of DDP yoga, and I was actually I've actually had um, and so so Diamond Dallas page, he has this yoga program, but I go back to like the very beginning of it because I've always been looking for things to help me with my back and help you know stretch out my back and stuff and and uh, so even before. It was called DDP Yoga. It was called YRG, which stood for Yoga for Regular Guys. And the reason he called it that was because guys didn't want to generally do yoga back in like the mid to late 2000s because they thought it was something for women. It wasn't hard enough or it wasn't testing, you know, muscles. You weren't muscle building. So DDP put out this program. uh, (laughs) Actually, the tagline, for it, just to show you how how things have come in the last ten years, originally it was called it ain't your mama's Yoga and so like you could you no one puts out a tagline like that today um, silly it's silly, maybe not as silly back then because that's just how people thought but so I go back to that, and even before that DVD set, there was a book. And so you could like, I bought the book and it kind of goes through the poses and sort of the mentality of what he's doing, because this yoga is a very heavy in calisthenic kind of exercises, too. And so I sold that book maybe like five years ago for like 80 bucks and I bought it for like $15 or whatever. Yeah, it became like a collector's item of sorts. So. After he rebranded the YRG, then it became DDP Yoga, and now he has like an app, and you pay I don't know like fifty bucks a month, and you get like all the exercises, and you can like track your weight and do all kinds of stuff. So it's it's very much um, online now, but back then it was all the DVDs. And so I found we I found in an old uh, Blu-ray case, I think it was the Titanic movie or something. Mm-hmm. I found the one of the DDP Yogas from 2009, and so we did it today. What did you think about your introduction to Diamond Dallas Page?
1: So, I uh, I kept asking you questions about him. Like, was he in the military? Like, what is his deal? <laughs> because he kept going like, Eddie's, you know, just seemed kind of super military guy. Um, but it was hard. It, we did the stand-up one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about 30 minutes, right? Um, it was really hard. Like, my muscles. I can feel it now. I think I'll probably be sore tomorrow. My knees were a little bit sore even, and you've got knee problems. And so I kept checking in on you. Um, but it was really kind of cool The it was, it was hard. It was a lot of balance. I think he tries to do some of the like normal yoga poses or traditional yoga poses and just calls them something else. Um, and they kept doing the diamond thing, which I guess (laughs) is his
0: thing. The diamond cutter.
1: Yeah. I did not like the, the Hulk thing he was having us do. <laughs> I was like refusing on principle to you do that. You didn't want to Hulk it out? <laughs> yeah. He, he did that so many times. Um, so I was kind of refusing on principle to do that particular move. But the rest of it, I mean, it was kind of cool. And I like how he had uh, different kind of people behind him showing the things. Like, I think that old guy was his uncle. I think that's what he was saying. Uh, but yeah, it was good. It was It was definitely hard. Like, I was ready for it to be done. By the time it <laughs> finished, for sure.
0: The, um, yeah, the, the series. So that was, I would consider, you know, everything is on your feet. We didn't hit the ground one time. That was challenging from like a balance perspective, which is why I like it. But with, like you said, with my knee, it's really hard to balance on one side of my body because I've babied it for, you know, the last 15 years. You
1: have to baby it. You had surgery. You I know, but
0: do. still, it, it does throw stuff off like that. Like it, it's frustrating when I have to do that. Um, but there are other exercises and, you know, he's he's got like some harder ones and some very easy ones. Like if you don't really, like if you're not feeling great and you want to just kind of do some things, he's got like ones that he believes energizes you, but they're not that hard. They kind of wake you up. The one that maybe the next one that we'll try is uh, Trish Stratus Yoga. She was also a wrestler and retired to become a yogi. And she's been pretty successful, too. Um, So maybe we'll try that one next. Why is that a thing,
1: like retiring from wrestling and going into yoga?
0: I think it's just because wrestling in general just beats up your body so much. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for ways to feel better, but not have to, like, lift so many weights and do so much running and... And, you know to stay in like that like really really crazy shape that they had to stay in in order to be on tv so i mean i think i'm pretty i'm sure that's the reason um but yeah like they're you know they're they're the two ones in 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 wrestling who have done it and i uh i do think that there is an avenue for like stuff like that if you're an athlete because you could use your name like mm-hmm. you know jerry rice or something but you know he puts his name on other goofy products and, and corny products instead of something like this but uh, okay so that was the introduction here and uh, we're gonna throw it to my conversation with Antonio the promised Thomas who is also a trainer and he talks about sort of the similar conversation we had about trying to stay in shape uh, you know he, he is obviously a little bit more of uh uh, it's sort of his job to stay in shape because he's still a professional wrestler in addition to the other things he does, being a teacher and, and also being a trainer. So it is really his like job to stay in shape and he talks about you know how to do it and, and what things you could do and if you want to start slow or whatever. And, and really the, the conversation is, is, is part um, like career like story of his career story of his life, but there's also things in his life where, you know, he had some hurdles and he had to figure out how to recreate and he had to figure out how to get around things of, you know, people telling him he can't do this. And, and so it's, a, it's a pretty cool story too. You know, he and I have become some you know, pretty decent friends, uh, over the internet. I don't think I've actually met him in person, but um, thanks to uh, the Figure Four online community and website, I've uh, I've enjoyed him. So I've been a guest on his podcast a couple times, and now he is returning the favor. So check it out. It is myself with Antonio the Promise Thomas. All right, I want to bring in Antonio the Promise Thomas, a.k.a. Thomas Santel. And the man behind those pro wrestling characters, Thomas Matera. What's up, man?
2: Hell, yeah, what's up, Garrett? Thank how's you for having me.
0: It, how's it going?
2: Uh, it's going good. I am uh aside from you know, what we spoke about off the air, um, I'm doing good. I'm you know. Um, isolation, well, not really isolation. I spend most of the days with my girlfriend, but uh um it's good. I I'm I'm bus- as busy now as when I'm teaching and when you know everything is uh is uh up to the n- normal standards, I guess.
0: Right, right. Uh yeah, you know, <clears throat> I think what what's interesting about this time frame is you know, I know a lot of folks their physical jobs are maybe not there because of you know whatever they're they're doing gets shut down in the real world and there are some of us who have you know more technology based jobs who are like just our hairs on fire because of the time and then there are others who you know who are hustling to do other stuff whether it's helping people whether it's you know able trying to reinvent what they do in the real world through this virtual social distancing but it is uh, you know it's a trying time and I think you know if you're looking for for folks to kind of uh you know sympathize for and with, like everybody's kind of going through this in their own way. So, you know, no matter what you're feeling or or how you're doing, you know, there's a good chance that your buddy, your, your neighbor, a family member is going through and thinking through exactly the same thing. So, you know, it is, it is also a good time to just bond with people and, and kind of be there for, for your friends and family.
2: Yeah. And I mean, my job, I mean, I'm a teacher, um, during the day and then, you know, I, I, coach a lot of kids martial arts classes. I have my own martial arts, you know, MMA conditioning classes that I do at the gym I go to. So all, you know, all that's put on hold and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly fine. Any teacher you ask is going to be fine with an extended period <laughs> of time. And, and I don't have to be, uh, thrown up, you know, I still throw up things on Google classroom and stuff right. for the kids and whatnot, but, you know, I'm, I'm a health teacher too. So I, it's my obligation just as a person to, to help out, but I do that as well. But yeah, you know, in this time people are, um, you know i've i've had to do workouts everywhere and stay in shape in little japanese hotel rooms so um i know You know if anyone needs any help out there nutrition wise or uh, fitness wise workout wise um, you know I put out some stuff on social media before and um, before this show's over um, you know we can talk about that but I'll give out my information for anyone listening that wants any help or guidance uh, free of charge um, whatever I can do to help I want to
0: no that's that's awesome that's an that's an amazing offer and you know one of the things that I've been mentioning just to people in my life is, you know, when you work a very busy schedule and, you know, I've, I've been working for startup companies my whole life. So there's not really a, a nine to five element to that. And, you know, not, I'm not saying that to say that I'm overworked in any way. That's just kind of the
2: style that I've been. Working. No, I, en- I envy that my girlfriend is, uh, works from home and, uh, I envy that, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, you know, what, what, I do in order to kind of make sure that that I'm taking care of myself is you know I, I make sure five days a week I'm in the gym and, and a few days a week I work from home and those days I make sure to break my day into two so that I split that by going to the gym and you know I, I start I stopped going to the gym Almost two weeks ago, and this was even before they put the shutdown on us in in, uh, in the Bay Area, I mm-hmm. just was like, it's not worth it. And so for about three days, I was just kind of out of my mind. I was like, what is the problem here? Why, why am I feeling a certain way? And I realized it was because the gym is like my sanctuary. It's like my, it's my, uh, my therapist in a sense, you know, I get to blow off steam and, and, uh, and, and get a good sweat on. And so, you know, I was just like, okay, how can I replicate that in, in this world? So, you know, I, I, I did go online and, bought a bench and, and bought some dumbbells and, and that has helped, uh, there you go. Yeah. more yeah. open to doing yoga stuff and, and, and different things like that to kind of, you know, cause you know, the other part of it is without really being able to do cardio for me, cause I have a, I have a dislocated right kneecap that I, that has just never healed. So running is out of the question. Right. And so, you know, I would do like elliptical stuff or bike stuff. And without having those standalone machines, that's the part where I just feel like all locked up, like my back is, so sore. So I'm doing a lot well, of stretching and all that
2: stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll let me not to interrupt you, but that's, that's a perfect, I'm glad you brought that up because in, was it December 12th? I tore my MCL and my PCL, which is why I haven't wrestled yet uh, this year. Wow. Uh, so it's recovering good, but um, uh, I, you know, I'll get into, you know, what I do to stay in shape Cardiovascular wise, but um, DDPY. I know, you know, I'm not going to be the, you know, I'm not going to shill it like like DDP would, but (laughs) it really, it really is a a lifesaver. I. That's pretty much how I get. I'm basing most of my workouts around that and then I'll I'll do a, three times a week I'll do like a metcon or a circuit type thing. Um and then I you know when I when I tore my knee up I was just doing push-ups all day, push-ups and pull-ups uh and then you know I would ice it up and I would do very light boxing at my gym and um eventually I still haven't done uh, left tie kicks but I, I can you know doing, I do a lot of Muay Thai as well with, with grappling Mm -hmm. and boxing. So being able to do that, it really helped. Um, the more I pushed it, the better now a dislocated kneecap. That's, that's a little different than, um, two tears, but, um, you know, there, there are things, whether it's box, yes, you need people listening like, Oh, boxing, you're not using your legs. No, no, everything, everything comes from your legs in boxing. So, um, you know, so you are, but it's not a high impact um, exercise like jumping or mm-hmm. doing a plyometric or running. Um, I, I don't like running, but I live right on a golf course. So I have been, you know, a couple times a week going for I do the old man run. If you ever see like the older guys run at the Y where they're just like kind of. Not even speed walking, but you know what I mean. You just kind of, <laughs> but it, it it feels good, and um, so there, there's a lot of things you can do. But you know, uh, mountains where you can hike, and uh, you know, golf courses as long as there's no one playing, you don't get hit. Uh, those are great ways to to get some exercise and, and get some fresh air and rehab that knee, that lower body.
0: Yeah. Before we get out of here, do I, I want to hear? your thoughts on, you know, what people can do from their house. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Whether it's body weight stuff or, you know, yoga, like you said, DDP yoga. But there is a cost to that. You have to buy the the, the streaming deal uh, that, that he has. Uh, but sure. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for the yeah. end. And then, and then we'll talk about that. But what, you know, the, the reason why I, I reached out to you about this idea. And the idea was, you know, look, wrestling, podcasts, MMA podcasts, they are often either heavily news-based or they are based on uh, stuff from the old days, you know, history. You talk to people from back in the day, you want to get their perspective on things. And all of those things are great. But what I wanted to do was, you know, I I have the opportunity to reach out to a couple people who who might be of interest, you being one of them. And I kind of just want to dig through their career and do a little bit of reflection uh, from where you started to your peak uh, as far as, you know, where you were in the business to to still, you know, working today. Like, I think a lot of that stuff is of interest to people, especially when you dig through and you kind of dig up little nuggets in the career. And, and you were the first person I thought of just because, you know, I... I I like, I like the fact that, you know, you and I can just chit chat about sports and stuff and and that's also fun, but you have a very interesting career as far as where you started, where you peaked, where you are and still doing it today.
2: Oh, my, 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 we'll get into it as, as we, you know, as we talk about my journey and whatnot, my peak is right now, my peak is where I have been uh, this last year and, and I'll you know expand upon that when we get to it but um you know WWE people might think that's the peak but as you'll find out it's really not
0: let's talk about our friends at bet online with currently no NBA NHL or MLB you might think there's nothing to bet on well you'd be wrong our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on or you can let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. And for you wrestling fans, I've put a little bit of uh, a little bit of bet online action on some wrestlemania matches that have still been, that have been taped uh, though i don't know the outcomes and i've also put some uh, some uh, action on where ufc is going to try and hold the next big ufc event visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit be sure to use promo code bluewire bet online your online wagering experts. You're you're a Massachusetts kid, right?
2: Yeah, Springfield, uh, Ludlow, Mass, which is a minute right. It's right next to Springfield, so people that you know, Springfield Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, right there. You know, it's about an hour and a half from Boston, so it's in the Western Mass area. So,
0: how would your parents? describe you as a child like what were the things that you were into what were what were you you rabidly into as a child passionately
2: oh sports um sports sports more sports cartoons Uh, I loved to draw as a kid I was always um I just love sports I remember being uh I was really good at baseball when I was young um and it's weird you play t-ball as a kid i was the only kid that the pitcher the coach would pitch to um when we had t-ball games when i was five years old so (laughs) i know it's weird and then um you know it caught up when i had to go play with kids two years older than me and develop on second grade caught up to me a little but yeah i um I love sports always. I was collecting baseball cards at, you know, three or four cause my older cousins had them. So I would, you know, get them. And my dad was, you know, grew up in the, the fifties. So he was a Mickey Mantle fan. He was oh, yeah. a Celtics oh, yeah. fan. Um, so all that, um, I, I just, a happy kid, a lovable kid, um, love to eat, um, you know, um, so that was pretty much, you know, I, I wasn't really a wrestling fan until I was eight years old. I remember seeing, uh, my older cousins were in fact, like in 1984, um, you know, this is way before, this is a couple of years before I got into wrestling, but, um, before I was even in school, 1984, there was, um, Jimmy Snuka, Bob Backland, or maybe it was 83, they came to the high school here in Ludlow and my older cousins were in high school at the time. And I remember them talking about it and, um, how, you know, Jimmy Snooka autographed the, the locker room and the boys gym and, you know, all that stuff. And I remember seeing it on TV, seeing championship wrestling from Allentown, Pennsylvania on Saturdays, once, once cartoons were over, And it was dark and dingy to me. It wasn't very colorful. And so I never, you know, I never got into it at a young age. I would flip the channel to NBC and watch the game of the five-year-old, six-year-old me would watch Vin Scully and Joe Gargiola Mm -hmm. because I could watch the Phillies versus the Cardinals. When all we got was Red Sox baseball, uh, Mets and Yankees. So, and I'm a Red Sox fan. So, uh, so yeah, that was that was young me at a very early age. So, as you video as games, you, I love video games. Oh yeah,
0: we, we were we were we were. I'm a couple years older than you, but we were sort of born in the perfect time for for video right. games.
2: Atari. Um, uh, I had ColecoVision. Vision. I bought it with my communion money off of my older cousins who didn't really use it anymore. I had ColecoVision.
0: That's exactly how I bought my ColecoVision too. After yeah. it was already played <laughs> out. That's when I yeah. got it.
2: I, I always, yeah, I had, um, not to get off topic, but it was like the chronological order was you had 2,600. Then I went to Vision cause the graphics were like insane. Then I got Nintendo. Then I went from Nintendo to to original Sega mm-hmm. because you could get you could play pro wrestling on there. They had a Rocky game. They had a Rambo game. Um, but then I realized no places rented Sega games, and all my friends were all playing Nintendo. So then I switched back to Nintendo. But but yeah, we we you know those early games were a uh, lot, lot of hours on those. So, so so anyone that that complains about kids now being on video games too much, it's it's that was the case, you know, <laughs> going back to like what since in television, probably or something like, come on. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we, that so,
0: that that was how we uh, were independent children as we had the video game going and our parents could kind of kick back and not worry about us for a couple hours.
2: Yeah. Well, my dad, when he, li- you know, my mom pretty much brought us up my, me and my sister, but my dad, when he was living with us, um, uh, we, we would always play. And, uh, you know, I think he would play into the night. Yeah, I remember him saying, waking up one morning and he said he scored however many thousand points on asteroids. And I was so furious. And, uh, I like, you know, I had to, I had to beat it. So yeah, that was that the, 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 the time in front of the TV was <laughs> was always there for kids. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, so high school wise, like, what kind of uh, what kind of high school student were you? Were you a good student? I, I imagine that you were still heavily into sports. Was that a big part of your life too? High school sports.
2: Um, I, actually, high school sports weren't sports were sports always were, but um, it was like so. I played I played little league baseball um, up until seventh grade and I was kind of, you know, as I got into like third, fourth grade, I, you know, got a little pudgy, not, not obese, not fat, but pudgy. I was, I was the catcher, you know, I had no arm. The coach said don't throw, but I could hit. And, uh, you know, fourth grade, I remember making the all-star team. That was a big deal for me. Um, Then fifth grade baseball practice was on during wrestling on a Saturday morning. (laughs) And I quit, you know, I said, my mom was busy with, um, she had some stuff. My grandmother had a dance group, a Polish dance group. And so she was, you know, I didn't have a dad there at the time. So I was like, listen, I'm not going, I'm just going to stay home. I want to watch wrestling. And she was like, all right, that's what you want. I've got, you know, I got to take care of your sister and your grandmother and whatnot. So um, that kind of like halted a little, you know, I went back in sixth grade, seventh grade and played, but it kind of halted like momentum I had as, as you know, visions of being, like an Uber athlete or like really taking baseball seriously. Um, but yeah, high school, no, I always liked sports. I went through an awkward kind of phase where kids got really taller than me and and bigger and develop more in seventh, eighth grade. So, um, you know, I was always kind of had to be a little kind of spark plug and, uh, I, I like basketball. I just, um, I started really getting into basketball more and wanting to play more. Um, you know, I got cut from the freshman team um, my freshman year. There was, eh, I don't know, it's probably a school that had like two thousand people at the time. Um, it was a Catholic school, so there was like a hundred kids that went out, and I didn't make it. And then, um, fortunately, we we wrestled a lot. In we wrestled for like a month in. Um, gym class like right after that and uh actually did all right I really liked it but I was still like dead set on playing basketball so I switched schools I went um to my hometown school high school because that's where my friends were and um got cut from the the varsity squad as a sophomore and um you know I had only played street ball and stuff with my friends and at the park and whatnot and uh I just I don't know the team aspect of learning the plays. I, you're stubborn fourteen or fifteen year old. you think you know it all, and the coach knows nothing. So I kind of quit halfway through, you know, and I was like, man, am I really a quitter? like what what the fuck? I love sports. I love wrestling. So that was where I just like kind of you know, I wrestled a little my senior year. Um, But other than that, I wasn't really, I was always playing sports with my friends outside of school, but I wasn't, as far as team sports go, I wasn't, that wasn't for me. If there was a martial, there wasn't any really any martial arts place either. So it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to immerse myself in, um, you know, jujitsu or boxing or kickboxing. So there was just like karate and I was, just, that didn't interest me at the time. Yeah.
0: So as you're uh as you're going through high school and and sports uh team sports or high school sports wasn't that big of a thing what when did you decide that you wanted to find uh wrestling or how do you how do you do wrestling like i think that's kind of like you know how do do you do it like where do you find it like how did you find it
2: right um yeah i was like you know i i started to catch up with other you know i'm 5'10 uh you know never really been more uh I was about 225 in college because uh as I'll tell that's when I really senior year in high school I really started to get into lifting um but yeah like my you know I always wanted to be like a general manager or a broadcast sports broadcaster I didn't have the grades to get in you know I my guidance counselor in high school I put the the schools I wanted to send my SATs to were Ah, uh, Georgia Tech, because I love because Travis Best was from
0: this,
2: <laughs> from here, and he was the first guy to kind of make it big. Miami, because I love University of Miami uh, um, football, and then I think Boston University. And I wasn't getting into any of those places, so I ended up going to community college. Um, but I knew kind of like my s- senior year, I was like, all right, uh, I can. I like lifting me and my little group of, my group of friends, we go to golds and, uh, it's like a nice little community. I like it. And I can't, um, you know, I'm not going to grow to be six, five, but I can be as muscular as I can. And you know, why can't I wrestle? Why, why not me? Somebody's gotta be the next, um, whatever. I don't know. Somebody's gotta be the next wave of wrestlers or, you know, I'm, so I said, why not me? So I, you know, I, I wasn't from about sixth grade on, I could care less about school. I was like, that's when I kind of found out like, Hey, I can not do any work and get C's and devote all this other time, the sports and, you know, working out and video games. I was like, you know, sign me up. Great. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I went to, you know, so through, like community college, four years of it because I was a horrible student. Um, the only place I really knew of was Kowalski's. Um, so you're talking mid to late 90s, you know, 96, 97, 98. I'm starting to finish up four years of, you know, starting to, well, 98 is when I finished up. Um, but, uh, for um, my two year schooling. Um, so then I was like, okay, Kowalski's, I want to, you know, my mom was a teacher. So she's like, you're going to get your, I, I wanted a 98. I wanted a um, to go into wrestling. Then I said,
0: uh-huh.
2: you know, I got my associate's degree in sports management. I said, you know, okay. She's like, no, no, no you're getting a four year degree. I don't care what you get it in. And the only thing I could take really was liberal arts. I'm like, I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be a gym teacher or anything like that. And it's ironic looking back 20 years later. But, um, so yeah, I, I, anyway, I ended up, uh, graduating in 2000, 2001. And that's, yeah, the end of 2000 and, um, got some information on Kowalski's online called there and, drove down there to check things out. And that's how things, that's how you get into it.
0: So you have this dream of doing, uh, of, you know, joining a wrestling school and yet you still have to do some schooling, whether it's to make your mom happy or whether it's just to go, you know, you go going back to what you said earlier, am I a quitter? You know, that kind of mentality, like, you know, what, how, how did you, how did you, or what was the if you can even go back to that time like what's the process that that you're doing in your head is it just like well let me get this out of the way because if I do then I'll be fine and I can go do what I want to do or that did was, that or it, did that also mean something to you because it could it would it you know gener- it showed accomplishment you're like if I accomplish this then I can accomplish other things that I want to do
2: as right. well yeah that's a that's a great point um it, you know I, I I was never one to you know, I was never really one to work for other people. I always, I ended up, you know, I'd, I'd go from job to job bagging groceries and in college and high school. And I just, I don't know, I just wasn't good with orders early on. Like, take, you know, it sounds horrible now, but, um, so I started, you know, in, in college, I started just mowing lawns for my own money. And then I, one of my friends, we started a landscaping business and, you know, I'm going, I'm doing this landscaping, this thing that my dad did, who I want to be nothing like. Um, and I'm like, Oh, I'm like, God, I it felt like, you know, I got to get, I know I got to get this four year degree and I don't want, I'm like, I don't want to do anything with it. But I knew at the time I knew I was like, as soon as I can get this done. And, um, you know, as soon as I got my two year degree, then I really focused, didn't mess around, didn't cut classes or anything. I said, I want to get this four year degree as soon as possible. I don't care what, it. I don't care if it's in basket weaving. I just want to get it because I want to, you know, I, I don't want to be a townie. I don't want to, you know, graduate at 22 and this is the job I'm going to have for 40 years. And this is the, you know, I always wanted kids, but it's like, I want to go out and explore the world and accomplish these things that you, you know, you read about and you see about and I'm like, well, why can't it be me? So, um, and I I'm very I always as I said, I always developed physically and mentally. Um, I was a little behind. I was definitely a mama's boy and I proudly still am. Um, but you know, I was some kids you you hear they're kicked out of their house and they gotta get a job at eighteen. You know, I wasn't like that because my mom was, you know, had parents that came from Poland and she was born there. So she was kind of given tough love throughout her life. So she wasn't going to do that to me and my sister. So in a way I was really sheltered and wrestling, um, wrestling was the one thing where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out there and be assertive and get through this whole being shy and uncertain and feeling like I'm, uh, just a quitter kind of.
0: So you decide to uh, what, what? What was in sort of the decision on what what school to go to? Was it just what was the closest location wise?
2: Yeah, it was about you know an hour and a half away. So the only other place I knew was UPW in California, and that was from the documentary, like that scene was in and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm just not, you know. I was like, I'm still like a 12 year old. I am not mature enough to, (laughs) to move out to California on my, I'm like, I'll be out here and I'll be out there for a week and, you know, miss home and miss my friends. So
0: that, that's a real thing though. I mean, that's, that's that's what stops some people from
2: going away to college too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, uh, I signed up to Kowalski's and, um, what did I had? I think I had a thousand dollars that I, it was, it was $2,000 or 2,500 paid in five installments. So I did the five installments thing and, um, started there. Um, I remember going there like January of Oh one to check things out. And first person I see coming up the stairwell is, is Chris Nowinski who is, Oh wow. Yep. Still in, still, maybe just graduated Harvard at the time. We're about the same age. So, um, he was there. Um, Lyndon Byers, former Boston Bruin was training there doing some celebrity like appearances and stuff. Um, Aaron Stevens was there. Ken Doan, John Walters, um, Wagner, Bruce, Wagner Brown, a lot of guys. Um, let me see, Duke Stalton, uh, Tim McNinney, a lot of like local guys that really that, you know, went on to some, um, you know, pretty big things past New England.
0: So so with wrestling school and, you know, learning how you know learning the art of it all, like how long did it take you to get from there to then, you know, creating what became, uh, you know, your your character? of uh promise like like what what like what like walk me through kind of the steps of something like that of you know get into school learn the art and then into creating you know your persona so that you could actually go out and do this
2: um well the name I I had the name uh I had the name before I even went to wrestling school because I was like I always thought Thought my name, my real life name didn't sound cool. It wasn't like um, you know, being a such a Sports fan, you'd you'd hear Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson, <laughs> Derek Col man, Derek Coleman. What a cool name that is. Why oh, right? yeah. nobody's got you know, and then you'd see like the the white guys from Duke and they'd have, you know, <laughs> Kelly trapuca or whatever. Like that's a, a horrible name or Mike Jaminski, Mike Jem, like that's awful. Like, why would change your name? So so I remember there was I remember watching a, a game. It was the Packers, who I hated, being a Niners fan, <clears throat> and there was Antonio. How are the-
0: you a Niners fan, by the way, living in Boston?
2: Uh, well, I or bo- not liked- Boston, but uh, yeah, you know, Massachusetts, New England. Yeah, uh, I, I, you're they're either a Giant fan from back in the day or a Patriots fan here. So. I hated both their uniforms. I hated – I did not like any team that had all-white uniforms. It wasn't – colors are cool when you're a kid. You like teams because of the colors sometimes. And um I, I like the Redskins and I liked the 49ers because I liked the colors. But the 49ers, what put it over the top, was Joe Montana. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then – Jerry Rice wait there's a guy named Jerry Rice and he's got to be you think of Jerry Rice as a kid and it's like this guy sounds like a ballet dancer or something and it's like oh my god he's the most badass receiver ever and then Joe Montana like he was like so you know he was just like the man and uh, so I was like that was it for me I, I you know I I always went against what everyone else kind of did and the the Patriots were just kind of were just kind of lame. It was like the AFC was lame back then. It was like kind of the NFC is was where it was at. They had John Madden doing all their games. They had uh you know, you had the Giants, you had the Redskins, you had the 49ers. Um AFC like the Patriots, it's like they just weren't good and it it but just the colors of the uniform and Joe Montana before I even knew that they were a juggernaut, I I liked them.
0: So then you have the name how yeah. how how long is it is it is it between you walking through those doors and then actually oh. getting good enough to to go out and actually have a match
2: oh wow. <laughs> i was kind of so I, I trained for a couple months at Kowalski's and there's a bump where you sit at the top and your opponent pushes you and you slide your hand along the rope and you bump out onto the apron. It's called, we call it the Kowalski bump because he would do it if you watched matches of his. And you'll, you'll see, I like to use it a lot. It always gets a good reaction if you can take it right. Um, but we, one day we are just going over and over and over that and I kept landing on my rib. And I woke up the next day and I thought I broke my rib. I couldn't breathe. So I'm out of action for, you know, i it was just, I pulled a muscle or tore a muscle, but I was like, fuck, I don't know. Do I want to go back to this? Do I, what do I do? Like I go, maybe this just wasn't meant to be. And I said, but I, I got to have at least one match to find out. Little did I know that there was a place. I thought there was no, I didn't know of indie wrestling at the time. Indie wrestling was everywhere, especially up here in new England. So, uh, I found out about people that were training 15, 20 minutes from me looked into it, realized it was a guy that at the time was getting a lot of dark matches and metal and Jack matches and was in good shape. And, um, so I went there and there was some other, a lot of other local wrestlers and there was a whole, so I started training there and, um, once in a while would still go to Kowalski's and paid them all my money. Uh, and then through that, that new place to train, um, we started to go and set up the ring. I was like every week every you know if I had to do something every weekend um whether it was going to a show or setting up a ring anything to just get out there and get my face out there and uh you know one day there was a show right after 911 um that had a lot of names on it, a lot of people from WCW um, it was September, 2001 and a couple weeks out, my trainer told me and, uh, a, you know, a couple other guys that I was training with, you're going to have a six man, it's going to be like a pre-show match. It's, you know, they use my ring, they get to use my guys. So that is, that is how I had my first match. Um, and in that first match, one of the people I trained with was a guy by the name of Smart Mark Sterling, who is still a great friend of mine and um, retrained himself at Create-A-Pro out on Long Island, and also, uh, Sasha Banks' current husband, uh, Surratt, who was also the WWE gear maker. Mm-hmm. So, we all, it's its kind of crazy the different, uh, you know, that it was a horrible match, but uh three people that have stood the test of time for almost 20 years I guess in wrestling is it um it's kind of cool
0: so you uh you have you have this character you have this persona
2: that you've created what is I, I didn't I had the name I was just the Antonio Thomas I didn't know my persona I just um my first gear was like black everybody wants to be a badass and right. kind of so I was, you know, I was, uh, you know, I had these black pleather pants and then, you know, I was uh, probably about 15 pounds heavier, but not as lean, but bulkier. So people are like, you know, you should wear biker tights or I was like, I'm not wearing those trunks. I'm not wearing those tr- the, <laughs> the tighty whitey things. So I had like biker tights. And then, um, I'm like, you know, what, I'm going to come out to some, you know, I like underground hip hop and I like everybody comes out to like American badass or these lame songs kinda that not American badass, but like kid rock, I should say. That was the Undertaker that came out to that. Um I'm like I wanna be if I was create a wrestler, what would I be? So I started a, you know, um kinda I, I got some kick pad red like red and yellow kick pads and red and yellow biker tights. I'm like i always love ken shamrock so i'm like i'm gonna kind of look like that and i kind of came out in like a black like not long boxer robe but like just like a waist um it kind of came that little past my waist came out to mob deep shook ones and i was just like i didn't know i was like a Everyone used me as a baby face because I, I guess I had good fire and I had, you know, a good good look. But, I, you know, deep inside, I wanted to be a heel. So, um, you know. But anyway, the the New England Championship Wrestling, couple of shows in that was probably at the time it was. They used some really, you know, they would bring in Doug Williams, young Briscoe Brothers, Jody Fleisch, Johnny Storm. And this is the time when Ring of Honor started, and I was a huge ring of honor fan. like that was my wWE was my goal, but Ring of Honor first was my goal. And um the promoter was like, you know, by the way, um you're wrestling you email me, you're wrestling so and so on the next show. and by the way, your your nickname is now the promise. and I was like oh my god that's great why didn't i think of that <laughs> so
0: that is that is really good The the uh just to kind of come on you know come off the top like he just listens looks at the last name is like oh what rhymes with thomas oh this works really great so that's actually no, every
2: cool. every ring announcer would be like that's it like do you have a nickname do you want me to say it? you know how about this or how about the i was like no no Just Antonio Thomas. And then that email, it was like, holy shit, this is, it's so hokey, but it's great.
0: So are you creating whatever that is at that
2: moment? No, no. I had no, I had no idea what I was. I was, you know, I was always mostly a baby face um, for like two years and then, well, a year and a half. And I was working everywhere. I tried to work two, three times a week. Um, just anywhere and everywhere I could. And, um, you know, in New England and the Northeast, there was the, you can't work for so-and-so if you work for this person. But I mean, I kind of actually somehow circumvented that and just I, I didn't care about having titles or anything. I just wanted to work and get my name out there and did, did the first Dr. Tom Pritchard camp, which was in the area and then did almost everyone after that. Cause I just wanted to improve and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I remember is actually, um, I wrestled Matt striker on a chaotic show in 2003. And he's like, I want it to be, you guys, look alike. You, you know, you're both, he goes, I I see this as a baby face, baby face match, but he's like, Tom, I want you to give some heat. I had never given heat before because I'd never been a heel. I'd always been a a baby face and I would never really done tag matches. So, you know, it was, I was beyond green. And, um, so that's, you know, but I just, I just wanted to work everywhere I could and, um, watch as many tapes as I could.
0: So if you are, you're, you're still kind of, you know, you're getting all your reps in, you're having lots of matches, but there's the persona thing that it sounds like was, was still lacking, I guess. Like, when did when did it finally develop?
2: That, as as far as the persona for Antonio, the promised Thomas, it never really did develop in-ring wise. It was... um. You know, I had – I could cut – I guess it did develop probably about, I'd say, like 2011, 12, where I started to – I started putting my hair in cornrows and kind of wearing – you know, like, I don't know, being – I guess what the heartthrob should have been, which was like if – Justin Timberlake or a a kind of boy band or pop singer was a wrestler, I guess, Mm -hmm. a smarmy white boy with, you know, you want to you want to punch him in the face. But um, okay, yeah, he's he's a tough guy or he portrayed, you know, that's his image. But before then, I mean, I really I had an image with the heartthrobs, with the heartbreakers, but that wasn't me. You know, it, it felt comfortable for the what we were doing, but it wasn't it wasn't really never really got comfortable being me, which which, um, you know, which I can kind of get into.
0: Yes, because of who, who you are now today as a wrestler, I'm I'm assuming that you are far more comfortable in that character oh, as Thomas yeah. Santel oh. than you would have been as as, uh, you know, in, in the early days.
2: If I had if I had the Thomas Santel thing in um, WWE, it probably I don't want to say I would have probably been, you know, I definitely would have been put in the hard I would have been I don't want to say Santino, but like I don't know, probably a cross between a Santino and a Drew Gulak, like a solid hand that can do a little comedy, can, can wrestle and, you know, which would have been great, which give me Funaki or Hurricane Helms or Scotty Tuati. That's, you know, not everyone says, you know, Oh, you, you're, you want to be the world champion or set don't settle for less and whatnot. But it's, you know, you'll hear Jim Ross say it all the time. You, you just, everybody has their position on the team. Everybody just wants their Jersey and that's, that's all I wanted. You know, I was, You know, I was fine being the Young Stallions, you Mm -hmm, know? Yeah, mm -hmm. you want to be, you want to be Tully and Arn, you want to be the Midnight Express, but if this is what's gonna, you know, so, but yeah, no, I I mean, I got to OVW and Cornette, you know, I knew, I knew my tag partner in the Heartthrobs, uh, John Roselli. Where, Where did you, where'd you meet him? I met him here in, the place that we trained at right outside Springfield. He had trained here um, because the guy that was running the place was, was trained by Paul Roma and he got in touch with Paul Roma at Sacred Heart University in Connecticut. So that's how he kind of got here. He started training in 99, three years later I came around and we kind of had the same goals and same, uh, um, you know, took our body seriously and our look seriously. So uh, you know, that's kind of how, you know, we knew each other and traveled with, you know, a bunch of travel together with a group up here and, um, you know, started teaming right before I got signed and he moved down there on his own. So, um, but, but at the time he was like, he was, a a kind of an enhancement heel guy for Cornette and Cornette wanted to use me kind of what everyone else used me as as a fiery baby face because he you know he didn't really have any he was using um chad toland or chad wicks at the time and it you know so they, they were short on on baby faces at the time um then one day he's like you know scratch that um because i've wanted to do a gimmick for 20 years probably since the fabulous ones broke <laughs> up he's like he goes, I want you to go get tights with hearts and lips on them. If you want, grab, you know, feather boas. And uh, I'm going to give you Mo Green, who's a, a, you know, short little African-American guy that was like Rene Dupree's butler and mm-hmm, Ernest mm-hmm. Butler. Uh, he's, he's doing a pimp gimmick. He bought you guys. And this is like, so, you know, I'm like – i'm thinking uh hollywood blondes tully and arn is kind of what i want to do and you know arn arn is the guy that vouched for me to get me signed um by wwe so that's kind of who i emulated my ring style after i'd watch all his stuff and just just basic simple stuff but with the execution of a you know difficulty of a six but a execution level of a 10 Mm -hmm. so that that was my thing and um but yeah we we we, cornet put us together like that and that's kind of how it you know my tag partner was watching the fresh prince and night at the roxbury and said let's hey let's he definitely did the entertainment aspect of it and um yeah it kind of just just took off and it was the first thing where I really felt comfortable and was really kind of having fun because I wasn't a oh, serious wrestler guy and whatnot. You know, I could chain wrestle, mat wrestle for two hours, but no fan wants to see that. So. Um, so, so, yeah. So,
0: so the time frame here, though, is you when you're getting into wrestling is right. You know, is, as far as, you know thinking about doing it it's it's you know attitude era time frame but now where we are it was post attitude era
2: yeah it was the worst time um probably from 01 to 08 09 I guess it's things started to kind of pick up I guess when Cabana got released and started to show that you could, you know, do a podcast, sell your, sell merch. And then the yeah. bucks, then the bucks followed on that. And then PWG started to really gain national notoriety. And ROH was going national with Sinclair, but they still had Steen, generico Tyler black, you know, so things started to pick up then, but from Oh one, to like oh eight oh nine, i mean it was wwe then there was impact tna ring of honor and carney like you know the high school wrestling shows this typical tony atlas or hacksaw jim duggan on top you know the you got the woman's match you got the token midget match or little person match you got You'll have some good local talent, but not not much. It wasn't what it is these last 10 years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what was the... So uh, around this time, like, like, and the reason why I mentioned the time frame is because WWE post-Attitude Era, post-Austin, post-Rock, Triple H is still the top guy, but a lot of the... I guess I would, you know, the, the, the huge buzz, the wrestling boom, uh, it, it's, it's pretty much over. And, and there are, you know, WWE is, is picking up the pieces in, in a sense where they're still the biggest game in town, but they have lost a, a good, a good amount of audience from that time frame, And so you're working, you're at o, o, uh, OVW, Cornette is in, you know, kind of in charge of, of that. And he's getting people ready to go to the main roster. And I may be completely wrong about this, but if my memory serves me right, there was so much up and down with the roster as far as, you know, yeah. let's bring yeah. these guys up and then all of a sudden they're not, you know, hot right off the bat and then they, they're they given up, up on. Was that yeah. kind of what happened with you guys?
2: Uh, yeah, we actually, we lasted way, we were there 10 months and that was way longer than you know, they were calling, that was the time where they, they called up Matt Morgan for three months. They, you know, they brought up Mordecai for a month, sent them down. They brought up, um, they were just signing guys. Like remember Frankie Kazarian was there, um, doing velocity for like a month the summer we were there. Um, there was just so much, there wasn't any connection between Cornette and the office. So, um, You know, and, and, you know, um, yeah, I'm not going to get a whole thing on Cornette. Um, I've always had a great relationship with him, and, but I, you know, I get it. I understand, you know, um, put personal feelings aside or anything, learning from him, learning from Lance Storm, um, that OVW TV was an hour straight. It went right to tape. So every single uh, match, segment, commercial break, there was no editing. It was filmed live to tape. So everything was – so he put everything together so meticulously. And um, to myself, Ken Doan, who I see regularly at Beyond, we still use that stuff today of how to sequence – things together, put segments together, not just matches, but segments, build angles. That was a mass. That was a a doctorate in wrest in just wrestling, wrestling, training, wrestling, um, booking psychology, how to put things together, piece them together. So everyone at that time, um, you know, um, from my experience, it's been, you know FCW had phenomenal people NXT has my god it's amazing the talent that they have behind the scenes and in front of the camera but for me personally to come up in that old OVW way it's it's all everything you hear about it that was good and that um you know was before you you hear about people getting called up and getting ruined or you know, not utilized to their potential. It's yeah, that stuff's true there, but my god, I had that was a an education unlike any other that time that that I had there.
0: What was the uh, most enjoyable part of your short stay and and short, you know, ten, you you're saying you know you guys actually lasted a lot longer than other teams or other folks. What what were what were some of your favorite moments in that time frame though?
2: Um <sighs> favorite moments. Um well one one off the top would be well definitely doing doing house shows once we you know everyone was walking on eggshells back then and everyone was you didn't want to upset the apple cart and people said, you know, just go up there, keep your mouth shut, don't, you know, um, you know, you guys are on live TV. You don't need to take any chances. You don't need Tom. You don't need to, you know, I remember doing a moonsault at Puerto Rico in a house show match and you know, it was 10,000 people there. I said, fuck it. I can do a moonsault. I'm going to do it. I, I'm not going to do chin lock, ch- chop meat, you know, take an arm drag. Fuck that. I'm like, <laughs> you know, so, um, and, um, you know, so After about four months, we were kind of threatened, like, listen, get your asses in gear and, um, you know, stop being pushovers, stop letting everyone beat you up and then beat you. So, um, they put the onus on us, especially me, John Laurinaitis did goes, you got hired cause you can work. So you're going to start calling the matches. He goes, go out there and fucking wrestle. And you have a month to get your act together. So that, that was like in July of, um, Oh five. So at that point that was great because then we could go out and we had to prove to ourselves to, to, to the agents and to, to our peers, like, Hey, we don't suck. We can wrestle. There's a reason why we're here and fuck it. We already been, if we get fired, so be it. Who gives a shit? And that's kind of when we started to really have fun on house shows. And about a month later, I think it might have been the Miz's first house show match. Um, Matt Capitelli was teaming with the Miz. um, And they were going to get called up imminently, I believe. But Matt had um, um, the beginnings of what, you know, unfortunately was brain cancer. Right. So they – called up Chris cage to take his place. So we had a match, a Sunday afternoon match in Memphis and we're the opener and it was Memphis. And we went out and, um, I remember my partner was like, that's, that's the cutoff. That's the cutoff. And we just started to call stuff on the fly and just like, Hey, we're the veterans in this match. Like, like no offense, Ms, but you've had four matches. Like we're taking the lead and we're doing, And it was really a good match. We came to the back, and Dean Malenko was like, holy shit, that was fucking great. Uh, I remember uh, Shawn Michaels was like, he goes, hey, uh, Hunter, you should have seen the... Spot they had during the heat he's like we're stealing it and then edge came up to us after who's like the nicest guy and was like Oh my god, that was great. That was that was probably my I don't remember too much about the match But that was to me getting out and going out and being able to wrestle and create um, Without a script or anything for 10 to 12 minutes and to come back and have your peers and the people you emulate and look up to all-time greats like pat you on the back and say good job like that to me that's all wrestling was about forget the money the money was nice but to me that was what it was about um going out and wrestling and having the admiration of your peers and getting the thumbs up from your employer saying good job
0: so when it when it did end with wwe were you guys sort of did you guys know that that was coming? Was it kind of out of left field? Was it like, how did that relationship end?
2: Um, well it, um, it did not it didn't a couple months earlier. We, you know, we were always pitching ideas and whatnot. And, um, I remember Stephanie McMahon coming up to, to me and saying, listen, I know I know you guys are getting down and it seems like we're beating you and whatnot but you guys are young you guys have so much potential and believe us when we say we have long term plans for you and you know we're putting you in with with Tajiri and with Eugene and with you know guy, Val Venus and don't think of it as, as losing think of the experience that you're getting from these guys because we have plans down the road and that was reassuring. And that was like, you know, so after that, um, you know, I, we felt good and we just kept pitching ideas. And finally we went to Vince McMahon. We waited for him all afternoon in catering. We started plugging, said, fuck it. We have nothing to lose. Let's just build a relationship with him. What are we afraid of? And So we started to build a relationship with him and even on heat matches, he would give us free reign to cut promos, um, have plant girls in the crowd that we bring up and kind of do the Rick rude thing where you kiss them or dance with them. And, um, it was the last episode of bite this that, um, we did like a dating show thing and it it didn't come out good it was bad it was also the episode where someone called in they used a the, some idiot called in and used a racial slur on Booker T so they stopped taking live calls and then they stopped it was like the last episode and i guess we did like a dating game type thing cuz it was valentine's day and there was some inappropriate stuff in there and um you know a couple days later we got we kind of knew after that, like, ah, shit, that didn't go right. Like, what the fuck? That's not how it was meant to be. We have this fucking, you know, Vince behind us. Dusty Rhodes just started and and loved, you know, doing promos with us. And but it was like, fuck, this is the last straw. We've been on life support for a while. This is and then that Friday we, we got the call and it was like, fuck. It was like a relief at the same time, but then it was like, well now what, you know, it was so, you know, uh, I took like a month off, but I just wanted, I could be myself again and I didn't have to do a stupid gimmick or have kind of a persona that wasn't, I shouldn't say stupid gimmick, but a persona that wasn't me. And I could just go out on indie shows and go out. Now I could go to, go to Europe, go to Japan, try to get into ring of honor, try to get, try to become an indie name, which is always what I wanted to do. And that was the journey. Then I'm going to just keep learning and keep improving and just better myself and, and kind of prove that they made the wrong mistake. Um, you know, letting me go,
0: (laughs) was there you you'd mentioned earlier that at that time WWE was kind of the top of the mountain for you and you got there and you were working there you were working hard and just probably also understood that you know it wasn't working out the way that 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 you wanted it to but when that happens when you are fired or let go like what were what were you dealing with mentally because a lot of what we deal with in life you know are the ups and the downs and and how you react to the downs right how do you how do you take something that is a negative thing and it is really uh, uh depressing in a sense too and then how do you come back from that and still keep your mental faculties and and your goals and all that stuff
2: oh no i i got i got a lot of you know i a lot of people were, were at various times there or anywhere you, I don't want to say it's, I, I I don't believe I've ever had depression or anything like that, but there would be times where I would be in lulls and, you know, you, you let your body go or, you know, I did that towards the end kind of where before kind of having that assurance from, from Vince that last six weeks or so, um, you know, I started to get, all right, yeah, you know, that's, we're we're working towards something here. I see a long-term thing here. And then boom, it's like, you're on your, you know, you know, you have that third strike and you can't do it. And then you did it. And it's like, it's like, fuck. But then at the same time, it's like, all right, I can breathe now. I can be myself. If I want to go out and wrestle 20 minutes, I will. If I want to go, you know, drive eight hours to a show and get paid 50 bucks. I can do that again. I don't care. I didn't, you know, plenty of people, I wanted to prove, I wanted to make myself better. And I'm like, this is not how it's going to end. This is not the end of me. Um, I still love wrestling. I love it more than anything. And I'm going to continue to do it and be the best I can in it and just kind of try to enjoy the journey. I didn't get to enjoy the journey there. It was all about getting there. And then it's like, once you get there, it's the grass isn't greener, you know, it, w- it certainly wasn't for us. It was at times, but I'm like, all right, let's, you know, time to get back on the horse and, and, um, got myself. in at that time, the, the best shape I had been in and started to do some, branch out and do some boxing and kickboxing stuff and try to, uh, improve my, my wrestling, wrestling skills and sort could translate in the ring. And, um, just, you know, never did the, never did the gimmick again. I turned down a lot of money by different promotions to, that you know, wanted me as heartthrobbing Antonio. But, you know, I, I was on the phone with promotions in the area saying, listen, yeah, I'm right off TV. I want to come back and work and wrestle and it didn't matter. I, whatever I had money was a thing, but it wasn't a thing. I just, to me it was all about becoming the best wrestler and getting what I said before, getting the, um, the respect of your peers. And, and for me especially it was like Arn Anderson. Cause I felt I really, really let him down Um, even though it wasn't, I didn't let him down, but I, I was like, man, it's, he believed in me and that's kind of the, tried to make the best of the hand I was dealt. And I felt like I failed at making chicken salad out of chicken shit.
0: So, uh, Adam Carolla, he talks, he does this bit about comedians and, you know, in the, in the nineties, uh, I think this is the time frame he references. You know, every comic had some sort of production deal. Uh, a network wanted them, and they wanted to workshop stuff with them so they could create a show for a network. and And it was just so hot with with uh, with comedy. And then at some point, all of those people who were on TV, who we remember being in major shows, uh, that 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 whole thing ended. And what those folks had to do was kind of come back to doing comedy clubs and going back on tour. And if you ask them back in those times, you know, when they're on TV and they're making a lot of money, they probably never thought that they would have to go back on the road and, and do circuits and do the shows. When you get off of WWE TV, it seems like that was something that you were very interested in doing. But was there a uh a frustration or a sadness or a you know wow, you know this is so different from you know wrestling in front of thousands of people to then coming back and doing more local stuff uh or even you know smaller stuff where it wasn't the same
2: um i was very i was angry I was angry at my tag partner um for you know we we have a great relationship to this day, but like, you know, as a tag team, you live and travel to get, not live, but you travel together, you room together, um, you know, and, and, you know, at the time I was like, man, you didn't fucking do this. You know, you didn't get heat with this fucking person and do that stupid thing. We'd still have a fucking job. I was like, I just, just, uh, you know, and Um, yeah, there was there, when I came back, I felt like I was, I had a lot more wisdom, I think, than a lot of the local guys. I think they, I was like, oh, like, I, I didn't see myself any different from them, but they all were very deferential to me and not just locally, but other places. And I found that not cool, but I, I admired that and I respected that and I took it very seriously. And I'm like, okay, I'm in a position now where I have to lead and I've got to be a leader and I gotta give back what I can um while at the same time learning myself. I need to better myself. And um so that's kind of how it was different. Um but I don't, you know. I never saw myself as a tv star or any i wasn't i mean i just i guess people see you differently than you see yourself but i just i just wanted to go to europe and i just wanted to go to japan mostly and um um i was i wanted to go back to wwe but i didn't it was such i don't know it it i wasn't compelled that i like had to go and try to like you know hey hey rehire me or do this or do you know I just I don't know I just wanted to do my own journey
0: so so what is your post WWE career like I, I think you did some some you did a couple of different things for
2: for maybe TNA and I know you. yeah we we a lot of um you know a lot of uh flop Pretty much everything that I did that was outside of the Northeast was in tag stuff with with Roselli. Um known as the Heart Throbs, but just like I said earlier, like the Hollywood blondes or like two the young style, you know, just two two pompous looking assholes that, you know, um are in shape or, you know, you know it wasn't the gimmick it wasn't any goofy stuff or whatever so i would do that because it was i i still had fun teaming with him he's a great guy and we we've, we've he's like a brother to me and i'm like you know we can do both we can do singles and tags and um but you know i i did a lot of stuff in the northeast and a couple things elsewhere on my own um and yeah, we did in a TNA, we did a Destination X pay-per-view. We did a dark match a couple of months before in 07. Then we did a Destination X pay-per-view against the, the road dog and Billy gun and Vince Russo at the time, you know, a uh, Christian, Christian helped set that up for us. Um, he told us to come on down and visit. We went down there on our own dime, hung out at a tape, at a pay per view. Jim Cornette was there. He, you know, came and gave us a hug. He's like, you know, we got a perfectly good tag team here. Give these boys a shot. And uh, you know, at the pay per view the day of, Vince Russo's like, I want you to do, you know, all these gay, sp- I shouldn't say gay spots, effeminate spots, all the. He wanted us to be like Lenny and Lodi and he was a bunch of do." And I just looked at John. He looked at me and we're like, no, like in our heads, we're like, you know, no. And when we walked away, we're like, fuck that. It's like we're doing this. Sorry, dude. But, you know, no, we're nothing against them. I don't have. But that's that's not what we're here for. And if you don't want us back that's fine because that's not, that's not who we are. And so that they never called us back, which was okay. That's fine. Um, it's, you know, just didn't work out, but it was fun. We got treated great and whatnot. And then went to all Japan in 2008 on and off from 2008 to 2010. And that was, that was a dream come true because I actually, lived at the dojo I trained there um i I wasn't a young boy but i um you know I still had to do chores um you know and uh I would go ringside during matches when my match is finished or you know if I had time to change up and go out afterwards I would go do that because it's like holy shit there's Minoru Suzuki or there's the great Muda. They're like four feet from me. And it's like, talk about another, you know, PhD in, in wrestling. It's like, wow. And, um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't go, you know, they said, Hey, you want to come out for three months? And I was like, of course, you know, and there's a lot of people that after being in WWE say, you know, I was in WWE, I, you know, I need to be in a hotel or I'm only coming out for a tour or that wasn't me, man. Just give me a, as long as I had my bag and a place to sleep, man, I just wanted to learn and get better. And I just wanted to wrestle.
0: So if, I mean, have you kept in contact with folks who, uh, you were with WWE and OVW? Uh, I would guess that there's several people who were in the same shoes as you, and have you guys talked about those times? And Because, and, you know, you, you still have a love for what you're doing, but I imagine yeah. that not everybody had the same mindset as you, and they probably were super frustrated and maybe even, you know, didn't want to do it anymore, but, but you know, ha- have you... Did you, did you talk to folks like that? And if, uh, you know, what kind of advice would you give someone today who you know may have hit some sort of you know hurdle in their career and and got knocked off of the mountaintop a little bit? Like, what what could you know? What would you advise them to do as far as if they still want to do this as a career?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I I keep in touch almost every day with Aaron Aguilera. We're in all our he's in. Practically all my fantasy leagues and uh, he was Carlito's bodyguard for a short time. He's out in uh, orange, California, a little, uh, south of you. Um, keep in touch with him. Keep in touch with Ken Doan, who I, who lives about a half hour from me. Um, and still, you know, we're a, a part of beyond wrestling whenever, you know, that, that, that gets back to a normal routine. Uh, I keep in touch with Johnny Jeter, We're in, uh, fantasy leagues together. I teach and keep in touch with, with John Romeo a lot. Um, OVW was keeping in touch with Mike Mondo, but not so much recently. Um, the Cassidy Riley, um, who else? I'm in a lot of fantasy leagues with these guys. Um, you know, Johnny Jeter started wrestling again for the first time since WWE back like last year in Arizona. So we, me and him would talk a lot about, you know, Hey, what do I, um, you know, what, um, what do I do? What can I watch my matches? Tell me what's, who should I watch on the Indies? Who should I watch on, you know, in new Japan, um, you know, stuff like that. And, and even, you know, when there were a lot of guys that were only a part of the WWE system, like Rob Conway, Nick Dinsmore, Lance Cade. Um, when those guys, they, you know, we had relationships with all of them, especially Rob Conway, who was like a big brother to us. We, when they got released, they didn't know what to do. They'd never been on the Indies. So I was on the Indies. It wasn't You know, it was only two and a half years, but I was doing the indies then. And, you know, hey, contact this guy. Here's I'm going to email you a bunch of contacts or this is, you know, this promotion, this guy, get in touch with them and then Baba kind of help them out. And, you know, if there was anyone released that kind of didn't know what to do those guys would say, you know, Hey, get in touch with promise or, you know, give Tom a call. He'll, he'll help you out. And then slowly more and more guys that were navigating the Indies, um, you know, like a Luke Gallows or, um, God, I, I, you know, guys like that, a Ken Doan, you know, then we could say, Hey, you know, Here's where you want to get in touch with. This is this is kind of this is what we're doing. Let us help you out.
0: Yeah, I love that fraternity aspect of this. The the brothers, you know, for life thing. You guys are bonded in a specific way that you know a lot of people probably wouldn't understand because of what you all went through uh, in in good and bad. But I, that that's a that's a great thing to have. You know, as a network, right? As a network of people you've done the same thing you understand a particular part of life and you're there for each other like that's, it's a really great network and system for you to have
2: yeah i mean i you know i had the back it it's so much better now cuz guys are really there isn't that bullshit i got to protect my spot and i got to um You know, you see it with AEW, where everyone's out there helping each other, and that, you know, where I started when I said earlier about that 2009 2010 period, where you started to see all those Ring of Honor guys helping out each other, all those high level indie guys. You know, whether it was when the the young bucks left TNA or Cabana was back on the indies, all those guys helping each other out, and there wasn't. It was like, yeah, this is the attitude. This is this is what it should be about this is what working together working with people is about not that old carny bullshit i'm gonna rob you of your money and your payday and uh i'm not gonna you know you know it's it's and that's kind of how it was when i that carny indie way when i first got in and first got out of wwe and it's it's light years ahead. Now it's, it's guys have it so much better now and just <clears throat> society in general, there's a lot less of that, that crap nowadays.
0: So just to kind of, uh, uh you, you did a lot more stuff, but I want to kind of get to the next thing, but I want to mention the Thomas Santel character. When did you figure that out? And how did you come about that? Because you know, it seems like that's where you feel like you're most natural. This is where you want to be as a wrestler.
2: Um, yeah. The well, um, from oh six to about oh uh, two thousand fifteen, I was completely lost as a. I, I just I was always changing my gear, my look um, in terms of my hair, my my ring gear, you know, what I wore to the ring. I just never felt comfortable. I felt like Tom Matera going through the curtain. And like in 08, from about 08 to two about five years, I do some stuff for Ring of Honor, you know, um, in the area and down, you know, as far as Baltimore. And I do a couple shots a year, two or three shots. And then but I was, I was always changing my look. I just, I'm like, God, what, what can I do? I was just banging my head against the wall. What can I do to stand out? And I was 2015. I had done, I think a couple matches early in the year. And I just said, I'm just You know, I'm into teaching now. I want to still wrestle, but I just, I just need a break from it. It's not fun anymore. I'm just myself and it sucks. And um, that September I did a couple shows in New York, Long Island and Glens Falls. And the way my hair was, the fans start, you know, people would say like, Hey, you look like George McFly when I would, <laughs> when I would wear, cause I was working as a teacher. So I would part my hair and I'd, you know, I'd wear khakis and a tie and a, you know, sweater vest or a pole, you know, people say, Hey, you look like George McFly and, um honestly at the time i never i'd never seen back to the future cuz i'm a moron so um i i've seen it many times since but um yeah these fans were chanting you know mcfly and all sorts of thing you know all sorts of things from from the movie and i get to the back and the promoter was big back to the future fan he's like Did you hear that he's like i i he goes, dude. they were calling you George McFly. You should do that. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, fuck off, Steve. I'm <laughs> like. And then my friend, my friend who, you know, who was in Evolve for a time, he's like, dude. He's like, dude. You gotta do it. I'm like, quit trying to be serious wrestler and blah blah blah. And then my best friend, who's not in wrestling but is like a huge movie buff, was like. I showed him some pictures that people posted on Facebook and he's like, dude, cut like, stop being like trying to be serious wrestler. It's like, that sucks. Like, yeah, you, you're a good wrestler, but like have fun with it. Try stop trying to take it so seriously. And, uh, the end that December I was in, uh, ECCW up in Vancouver. And, uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put on, the boots and the tights and uh I'm like I got this sweater vest, I'm going to throw this on and I had the glasses and I went to the promoter and I said, "Hey, listen, people say I look like George McFly. Um should I go with this gimmick?" And he's like, "Oh my god, holy shit." And I go, "Could you give me Earth Angel for ring music?" And he's like, <laughs> "Yes." He goes, "Do it." And I'm like, "All right, Jeff. Yeah, I'm going to do it." And uh, I did that, and I was like, "Wow, that was fun. That was the most." Where was this for the past fifteen years? And um, yeah, I would just I would do it on uh, like big time wrestling shows and certain local things stuff stuff that was fun. And then um, went to the performance center last March as a guest coach, guest trainer for the week, which came full circle and put a nice. Like it was the one of the best weeks I ever had in wrestling and it put a nice that for me that put the cherry on the Sunday of my WWE experience to where, you know, I, I don't have any that business was taken care of. It was like this is a nice way to not end things, but um, I felt a, a calm and a peace after that. But anyway, like for WWE, I, I you know, like. Hey, they want me back as a coach and to help out. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. I, I, I'm good with that. If that's all it is ever. Um, anyways, Stokely Hathaway was there. We got to know each other pretty well. He put in a word for me at beyond who I'd been in contact with before, and drew the promoters like, Hey, I want to bring you in as a veteran. I got this discovery gauntlet thing. Um, I want to give you a little run with it. You know, a couple let's do three shows and we'll reassess it after that. And, um, you know, uh, I was like, this is my chance to, cause I wanted to do the PWGs and I wanted to be an indie name and I wanted to, <clears throat> you know, there's the talent out there is, is, the athleticism is better than ever, but I was like, I got something unique to offer. So I was so nervous going into doing the beyond thing. And, um, you know, when I first came out, people didn't know how to take me. It's a kind of hipster bar crowd. They're like, one guy's like, fuck you. And, um, three minutes into the match, all of a sudden I could kind of feel the fans cheering for me. And, um, You know, when I won, I was supposed to be the heel. When I won, they were cheering. They were a chanting nerd. Then I cut a promo trying to decree them from drinking alcohol. And that the only thing I put in my body, I would never contaminate my, my body with alcohol. I would only power it and fuel it with Ovaltine. And then they started chanting Ovaltine. <laughs> and I got downstairs and... He was like, Chris Dickinson and like Trent were like, What the fuck did you do? They were chanting Nerd and Oval Teen. And I go, I don't know. And they're like, That's fucking awesome. And uh, the promoter was like, Listen, he's like, That was, you're a babyface from now on. And he's like, You're on all of my shows. And I'm like, Whoa and uh it kind of just took off from there and was, that was honestly the most pressure i had but it was the most fun i was having you know since then because um i got to be myself and i was having fun and the years of martial arts training the years of training in japan and the, the dojo under Land storm under Kowalski and Kowalski trainees that would show me the sugar hold and all these hooks and, and old shooter stuff, all that stuff finally came together and it was, it was perfect.
0: it, it also is a testament to you who, you know, you've been wrestling for a very long time, but to be open to feedback and open to even people outside of wrestling You know, you get this idea and you're like, "Ah, you know, I don't know that, you know, how how will people react? And then at some point you just were like, okay, I'm going to be open to it. And I think, you know, that 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 just shows that to be to be open minded, to be open to feedback, not to be so stiff on, you know, well, I know about this more than you guys know about this. I think that I think that's a good lesson for people. Not I mean, not only in wrestling, but just in general, that there's that there's not one perfect way to do this stuff.
2: No, no. And, and as a teacher, as a, as a trainer and a coach, I mean, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm like, you try things and you know, when they work and when it's like, eh, we're not going to do that lesson again, or we're not going to do that, uh, workout or whatever. Um, so you, you play with it, you have fun with it. And, um, you know, everyone, I don't know. I think there's, I, there's a certain way I like to wrestle and a certain way I can work with anybody. I can do, I can do flips and stuff and I can do dives, but I don't, I don't want to do that. Every match has a dive and a super kick and an apron bump. I don't even want to touch the rope. I want to, I want to, you hear so many, I talk to so many guys that will be like, Oh man, it was so awesome. We called three things and we went out there and I'm like, yes, yes. It's like, this is the, the concept of it. Um, you know, like in my match with Mike Quackenbush. He's like, what if we stayed uh, connected the whole time? He's like, "What what is there we can do that we can get eight minutes out of staying connected the whole time? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And it's like, well, what about a knuckle lock? I'm like, we can do this and we can do the this. This johnny saint spot and we can do, he goes yup, yep Yup, and we we didn't call things we kind of came up with a concept of a match and said, let's try this out that, that to me that was fun to me saying let's let's build a match around like a, a new japan lion young lion match I love watching those as much as I love any kind of wrestling because everything is built around working for a back suplex or working for a German or it's all, as I said earlier, it's stuff that's a five on the difficulty scale, but it's a 10 in execution and it's nowadays that's that's different the the execution on some stuff is a 10 the athleticism is a 20 it's amazing but um there's only so many more flips and dives and stuff that you can do and i think well let's go backwards let's let's watch some old um you know, I don't, I don't even watch a lot of I watch wrestling, but I don't watch it so much for I watch it because I'm a fan. I don't watch it because, oh, I'm going to steal that or I'm going to take that that stuff. I watch 50 stuff where I watch stuff I do in my my jujitsu or grappling training like, oh, this elevator into a heel hook. Holy shit. Yeah, that's great. I'm I'm doing this or eh, just stuff like that, man. And it's fun and it, it's it's. There's not enough people I think that hey let's go out there and let's let's create and now now just because you go out there and not call anything doesn't mean it's going to be good it can be utter shit <laughs> but so you got to know your opponent know your crowd but you know if if it's Timothy Thatcher or if it is a Jonathan Gresham you know and it's a it's a show where I don't know, you're out in Kansas somewhere and it's like, hey, man, let's try this or let's absolutely, man, that's, yeah, have a go at it, man. That's the stuff that I love.
0: All right. Before we get to the workout thing that we promised at the top of this, um, quickly, I wanted to talk about the podcast that you do for uh, F4W Online and just how, how did you and Brian Alvarez get hooked up?
2: Uh, I did a couple, like, interviews with Brian back in, mm, God, 2010, 2009. Um, Then at the end of 2010, the last time I was in Japan, I destroyed my clavicle, tore everything in my right shoulder. Um, So I had shoulder surgery, and I was never, I was never, like, a... I, I when I was in WWE and stuff, I never went, I never read what people said about me because I didn't I didn't want to, you know. Um, so my friend's like, hey, listen, I've subscribed to The Observer. There's a ton of great audio. You've done stuff with Brian before. Obviously, I knew Dave and I knew of The Observer. And he's like, get a get a membership. So I got a membership since then. I, you know, I read it, listen to the audio. Um I was out 2013. I was doing a show out in LA for less, less Thatcher and Nigel McGinnis were running some stuff out there. So they were running a show the same weekend as the convention. So I had family in Vegas. I went out there for, it was the first Anderson Silva Weidman fight. And um, So I went out there. Brian's like, hey, come by. I said hi to everybody. And that's how I got to know everybody. Fast forward to 2017, I wanted to kind of get in the podcast game, but I was like, hey, there's no wrestlers talking sports. There's nobody talking fantasy sports. So I said, I'm going to, I got all these wrestlers in my (laughs) fantasy league. So I called a match striker and I'm like, hey, let's talk about, come on, we're going to talk fantasy baseball for an hour. And so I started doing the podcast then. And then a year later, um, I think Alan, I want to say Alan 4L was Mm -hmm. he, did he have a show? Yes. He had a show. Yup. Um, there are a couple of shows that had left the site Right. So I texted. I texted Brian. I'd become. I'd become friend. Really good friends with Buddy Wayne and the guys out there. His trainees. So I had gone out and had done a couple uh, Brian and Vinny shows in the studio, and um, visited out there once or twice a year. So he's like, "Let me check with Tony. We'll see if he, you know, wants to bring something different to the show, to the site and." he got back to me. He's like, yeah, let's do it. You know? And, um, I've done it for over two years now, two years in February, last February. So, um, I enjoy doing it, you know? And now, um, I have, as we record this, I put up three shows in a row because I want to put up, um, I'm making it a mission to, to talk with someone every day about, positive things during this time, what they're doing, um, what, what they're, what new things are they doing or learning or watching or just to shoot the shit about sports. All, who's, who's the greatest Celtic of all time. Who's mm-hmm. the greatest Lake? whatever, anything NFL free agency. Cause that's, you know, so I've, I've got a, a, a list of, um, people that I've already spoken to and I'm going to continue to, uh, I got shows with Stevie Richards, um, Kurt Stallion up, Alex Coughlin from new Japan. Um, got a couple more coming up as we speak, which will be out by the time you listen to this. So, um, just, I have free time. Uh, so I want to get out and hear people's stories as much as possible. You know, there's a lot of wrestlers out of work right now. Um, you know, or at least out of a, um, extra income, and I'd like to give them. Everyone's being so creative. Creativity is 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 um. It's really people are really getting creative, and I really like seeing that. As much as I don't like going on social media, I like seeing the way people are staying relevant within wrestling and and being creative. And uh, so if they want to talk about that and and some people, subscribers and listeners on the site can uh, get to know these people or get to have you know familiar faces, then see what they might be doing or might be watching or talking about in sports, that's my goal, just to bring something different
0: well uh, you know I've I've done your show a couple times and it's like the most fun like sometimes when I do your show I even forget we're actually recording because we're just it's just like I'm talking to you know someone who's as that's, as passionate about sports as I am
2: that's that's the point of it that's the point of it and and that's how I want it to be that's why if you listen to my show I I do my own intro and then I go kind of bleed right into the 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 um you know i'll play some hip-hop or some some sports snippets and um just kind of go into the conversation just that's how i like it because it's it's a conversation I, i i don't really edit if anything i'll cut something from the beginning or from the end but it's pretty much live as you hear it that's you know um And it's just a conversation and it, it, uh, you know, I never talked to Rocky Romero before, even met Rocky Romero, not a big sports fan, but we had a conversation like we have for like almost an hour and it was just, he's like, holy shit, that was easy. That was great. That was fun. And that, that's, that's what I want. I want it not for me, but I want it for the guest and I don't want it to be the, okay, what, you know you know what what got you into wrestling and what you know (laughs) you know what i mean everyone's we all done that a a, a lot and um yeah i just want it to be different and i i think it is and i'm not looking for the most listeners or the most downloads or anything i just want put me in my little corner and let me kind of zig when everyone else is zagging and just have my little piece. That's, that's, I'm a little corner piece of the pizza. That's, that's me. <laughs>
0: All right. Quickly, uh, because I realize we've actually gone a little while. Yeah. Here. This, is,
2: this might have to be up like four parter. <laughs> i might have uh, to cut this. The,
0: pe- people, people are locked inside their houses. Uh, f- at least some folks are, like myself. Uh, h- how do they, you know, brick? break a sweat gets get a workout in if they don't have any equipment what are some of the things that they can do uh just in their house to uh you know to to exercise in, in this time
2: well i mean if if you can't get outside and go for a going for a walk is always great walking is something that we can do as long you know hopefully as long as we're alive you know so if you can get out there and walk go out and walk but uh your body is your best um is your best Piece of equipment. Um, you know, I used to do the old uh, deck of cards where I would mm-hmm. flick a card and whatever number I would do squats or push ups. Um, you know, do. Do 10 sets that you can start with doing 10 sets of 10, do 10 sets of 10 push push-ups. 10 sets of 10 squats. Um, if you have a pull-up bar, you can do pull-ups. Um, just get, you know, go on YouTube, go online. If you're not familiar with how to do a good squat or a good push-up, and, and get, get the form down first. You don't need weight to do a proper push-up. Many, I'm sorry, a proper squat. Um, you know, if, if, You have a pair of dumbbells, you can do goblet squats, you can do lunges, you can do farmer's walks. um, And then, you know, just uh, sequencing them in a workout however you want. Um, You can do 10 push-ups, 10 squats, 10 sit-ups. As many rounds, set a timer for 10 minutes and do that, you know, 10 push-ups, 10 squats, 10 sit-ups. Uh 10 push-ups, 10 squats, 3 pull-ups, 5 pull-ups. Something like that. Set a pick a rep scheme that you feel comfortable with that's going to push you a little bit and do four rounds of it. Do 10 minutes of it, 12 minutes. Uh it doesn't take long, you know. Um you know, when I tore my knee up, I was just doing push-ups all day. I said, "I'm going to do 500 push-ups today." I feel good. I'm going to do a thousand push-ups. So every hour, I would do 50 push-ups. Or, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things that you can do. And then, if you have kettlebells, if you have weights, um, you, bands, you know, there's. It's hard for me to tell you one go-to workout, but, um, you know if i had to i would say squats push-ups sit-ups or a plank and sequence those however you want and and get a good stretch too. stretch out hang from a bar do there's a lot of yoga stretches and a lot of good rehab stuff um instagram is great for that youtube um you know there's a whole bunch of things you can you can you can look up on there and go, you know, find me on Facebook, Tom Matera. Um, message me, friend request me if you know me from the show or the site. Um, ask me whatever you want to know. I will I will help you however I can go to my Twitter. I don't I don't I'm not a social media person. Go. You don't have to follow me. But but go to my Twitter at Retro Grappler or at Promise Thomas. Say, hey. This is what I'm, can you help me out with this? What should I do with this? I, I want to help, um, you know, whatever I can do, I want to, you know, help people out. This is not just during, uh, this time. This is when this, you know, things are back to normal and status quo, you know, whatever I can help out with, I want to do that because, um. That's what I do. That's what I've done my whole adult life. I've used my body and, and teached and coached. And, you know, I learn more from that than if I was just, Learning from someone else,
0: right? Right. No, I I, I want to say thank you to coming on and kind of being the first person that I do you know a little bit more of a long form uh, deal with for history. You know your career.
2: I hope it but, wasn't oh, too. I hope it wasn't too too long. Nah, well, it, it <laughs> was
0: good. But but the other the other piece of this, and you know I, I really hope this comes through to folks is just the the grit and the stick to itiveness. That you have as a human being, to you know, go from where you had possibly you know your your original career goal, and then you did get a little bit of a taste of that, and then you had to kind of change gears and figure something out. Like there is a, um, you know, there's something within you that allowed that to happen and that allowed you to keep moving and and to change gears and to figure it out, and then to still have a love for for what you do. Like there is something that I hope that came out through this podcast because i think there is you know if people can take something away from this it is that you can you know you can create you can still create even later in your career and just because someone tells you no that that's not the end of it you know
2: yeah and that's you know i don't need to wrestle i don't have to wrestle i you know like doing blood sport before it got postponed or canceled was that was a big deal to me. You know, that was as big as being in Madison square garden for my WWE debut. But my life is, I have a very good life and and wrestling is, is just a part of it. But what I, so I don't need to wrestle to feel fulfilled or to have fun. But I, what I want to give, I just want to give back to people that maybe you know, I can help them circumvent the things that the mistakes that I made, or if they get released from WWE or feel that, you know, Hey, this is the end of my career. What do I do? You know, this is what I did. This is, this is what I, you know, you can still wrestle and still have, I know wrestlers are afraid to say, everyone wants to say, oh, I do this for a living. And I do, you know, this is my main source of income and whatnot. And it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with having an education and having a, you know, a a career, not just a day job, not just stocking shelves, but it's, it's good to get a career or something on the side that you can build for, for the future. And, and you're never going to lose that skill or that, um, you know, that degree or that, that, that knowledge. So, um, you know, however I can I can help, whether it's a, to a promoter with my in-ring skills or, you know, knowledge behind the curtain or behind the scenes or if it's just in life. You know, I just wh- whatever I can do, I just want to I don't know, just that's the way I am. And hopefully I'm, I'm guessing that's the way I'll always be. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I it. it it's, it's opened a lot of doors. Just doing stuff like that, i found, has opened way more doors than just, um, you know, wrestling, 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 or, right. or sports, 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 or, you know, work, 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 whatever it is. It's, um, yeah.
0: Cool. So uh, thanks to Promise Thomas. So for Promise, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.